latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Champoli, News Director at APPA. We're joined today by Elliot Maines, President and CEO of the California Independent System Operator. Prior to becoming President and CEO of the California ISO in 2020, Elliot served as Administrator and CEO of the Bonneville Power Administration. Elliot, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, obviously, there's a lot going on these days with California and the ISO specifically. Um, so I wanted to get kind of get things rolling with the um, the recent news on the, uh, the final root cause analysis. Um, be interested to get your thoughts on key, what you think are the key takeaways um, from that analysis. And uh, yeah, just kind of want to get further thoughts from you on that. Absolutely. Yeah, we put the... Uh... We put the final root cause analysis out in uh, in mid January, and it was pretty similar to the the preliminary. And the bottom line was, you know, the heat storm uh, that we ran into in in mid August last summer really stretched the system to its absolute outer limits. You know, the loads were and t- temperatures were at record high. Loads were extremely high outside of the planning parameters that the state had planned for. Uh, imports obviously were not as strong as would normal because the heat extended across a big part of the West. And so just, you know, we were outside of the uh, planning horizon for for the system. Second of all, you know, the, the state's been involved in a, in a significant resource transformation. I mean, thousands of megawatts of solar at both the distributed and bulk scale. The, the, the peak stress point on the system has changed in recent years from sort of 4.35 in the evening to that, you know, hour, an hour and a half after the sun sets now. And, and quite frankly, the resource adequacy planning standards hadn't quite caught up with that migration from, from gross peak to net peak. And so we got into the those early evening hours after sunset and there just wasn't enough dispatchable capability to avoid the rolling the rolling blackouts. And then, you know, we found some issues associated with the actual energy market. There are both physical and financial mechanisms in the market and our day ahead clearing mechanism did not give us as much insight as was necessary into what the system's ability to support exports were. So when the day ahead market looked like we could support more exports than were physically feasible, we ended up clawing most of that back in the hourly and real-time markets. But at the end of the day, this confluence of these different factors uh, pushed the system over the edge. And we had, you know, between 15 minutes and a couple of 15 minutes and a couple hours of outages on the 14th to 15th of August. So very, very disruptive event for the system, a real kind of pivot point, lots of lessons learned. And I know now uh, just having joined, you know, I came into California about six weeks after those events, uh, finished up at Bonneville on August 31st and came in and I can tell you, boy, the sense of urgency and the sense of focus to now really rectify the situation and, and address these resource adequacy issues uh, could not be stronger. So um, I think we're pointed in the right direction, but we have some serious work ahead of us. Great. Thanks. So I know it's only February, but uh, as you know, it's, it's, it's never too early to, to prepare in terms of grid operations. So I wonder if you could kind of enlighten us as far as how Kaiso is preparing um, for the summer. Yeah. Well, I think it's always it's always important to understand kind of the functional division of labor inside the state, you know, as, as in many regions across the country, uh, the f- 
integrated resource planning and resource adequacy procurement are primarily state level functions in California. So the California Public Utilities Commission, the California Energy Commission have that sort of forecasting, planning and procurement responsibility. We of course work very closely with them on analytics. We have elements of our tariff uh, that are also in support of resource adequacy in the state. But the key thing I think first and foremost right now is that the, the CPUC has put out sort of emergency rulemakings to try to get as much additional possible procurement between now and summer as possible. We're, we're not holding out a lot of hope for a lot of additional new capacity above what, what was already in the procurement queue, but they're certainly trying, uh, particularly, particularly with respect to imports from other regions, which of course California is significantly dependent upon. The primary incremental capacity resource that's coming onto the system for this next summer is going to be lithium-ion batteries. California is going to have roughly 2,000 megawatts of batteries on the system by this summer. So at the ISO, uh, we are working very closely with the battery storage community to make sure that we have the right mechanisms in place to ensure that the batteries are charged up and ready for duty into that those net peak hours of the evening in the summer, while also listening carefully to them and trying to understand their business model and making sure that our rules aren't overly prescriptive so that they can continue to optimize the value of their assets uh, during other hours of the day. As I mentioned, uh, we did have some issues around what's known as a residual unit commitment process in our day ahead market. So we're making some changes to make sure that we have the clearest side view as possible uh, into the physical supply demand balance going into next summer. Uh, we're working very closely uh, with the adjacent system operators to make sure that the transmission inner ties into California will be as healthy as possible. Uh, we are also of course, looking very carefully to make sure that any planned outages are moved away from that peak summer season to the maximum extent possible. And of course, the other side, an element that was really important last year in terms of avoiding even larger uh, system disturbances was the demand response side of the equation. So we're really digging in and trying to figure out what can we do uh, in, in this kind of timeframe in advance of next summer to maximize the participation and demand response resources. So there's a lot of work going into just getting ready for next summer, uh, both inside the state, working with adjacent utilities, et cetera, uh, to try to produce you know, better results uh, for next summer. And then of course, longer term, we really are you know, in partnership and I'm, you know, I'm very committed to a strong and productive and collaborative working relationship with these other, with the state agencies in California, looking at what are the elements of our resource adequacy framework in California, right down to from integrated resource planning and load forecasting, uh, right down to the specifics of our planning reserve margin and the kind of security buffer that we need to put on the system uh, given the kind of increased temperatures and load and resource volatility that we're seeing with this big transition to clean resources. So uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to be down here now and, and ready to roll up my sleeves and be part of the solution. Uh, you know, this is an inspiring mission to take on these, you know, ambitious clean energy goals. And we just need to be super focused and super pragmatic uh, to help the state succeed. Great. So, so you so you touched upon um, resource adequacy a couple times so far. Um, do you see a need to make changes to resource adequacy policies in California? Yeah, I do. I think that certainly, um, you know, I, I mentioned already just the shift. You know, the the traditional planning metrics 
and net qualifying capacity determinations for resources, particularly the new variable resources and batteries uh, need to adjust to reflect the types of characteristics. And, you know, I think a lot of us across the country are recognizing that, you know, we used to plan for one big peak hour. Now we're recognizing it's not just the gross peak, but also the net peak. But we, you know, we have to have energy, energy sufficiency every hour of the year, right? So looking at energy sufficiency and making sure that we really are understanding the behavioral characteristics of the resource portfolio and managing points of system strain and having some safety margin built in is really important. So we're taking a hard look. California the last few years has been operating to a 15% reserve margin. We're exploring uh, moving that uh, to 17 and a half percentage points. That's still being refined, still being studied. I think that's an area. And then something that I think is, is becoming increasingly clear is that you know California still has a significant reliance on natural gas generation. And in order to be able to achieve the kind of greenhouse gas reduction goals of the state and really, you know, getting, getting to carbon free by 2045, that means that we're going to have to really wean ourselves off of the energy content of that gas fleet, which means that we have to take a much broader look at different forms of fuel diversity. And there's a lot of talk emerging now in California about looking at everything from offshore wind and out-of-state resources, you know, all the way down to, you know, what, what might be the future of hydrogen. So the, the planning and the procurement and the qualif capacity qualification determinations are all things that are on the table. And I think we also need to make sure that between the CEC and the CPUC and the California ISO, that we have a really well integrated and analytically consistent set of rules for both the supply side, the demand side, and the emerging hybrid and storage resources. So a lot of work to do, but like I said, I think we're, you know, we're leaning in and, uh, you know, everybody realizes that failure is not an option. Great. Um, so just shifting gears here a little bit, um, let's get your thoughts on how um, California can address the challenge of maintaining reliability while demand on electric utilities increases through electric electrification growth and increasing renewable energy penetration. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And certainly I, I think you know that you know, California for, for a long time has been out front in terms of fuel efficiency standards and vehicle electrification. Of course, last September, uh, Governor Newsom effectively determined through executive order that California will no longer be selling internal combustion engine vehicles as of 2035. And now we've seen GM adopting you know, similar directions. So the push towards vehicle electrification is very strong in California. Our utilities in the state are thinking very deeply about this. Edison in particular, very thoughtful on this topic, the public power utilities, uh, very much so trying to understand what, what that means. And then of course, you know, we know that, you know, the power sector is a significant fraction of, of greenhouse gas emissions, but of course it's transportation is an even bigger piece of it in the state. And then you have to deal with buildings and heating and cooling. So there's, there's a lot of load that's going to be migrating onto the system. And that, that gets me to the point of, of, you know, some of the things I was saying before is I, I think we have a, a reasonable sense of what the sort of conventional set of resources are going to get us over the next, you know, three, five, seven years. But, you know, the back end of the curve 
in terms of getting to truly dispatchable capacity and reliability is going to require a lot of innovation and open-mindedness to new resources. I know that this is something nationally that is being addressed. I know that the new administration is going to be thinking hard about, you know, what technologies are going to be available, where to put R&D dollars. And for those of us that are running grids and planning grids across the country, we need to start really anticipating what those fuels might look like. We do not have all the answers to that yet, but we can draw on research that's coming out of some of the universities. There's been a lot of work out here uh, by some of our consultancies. Uh, WEC is looking at these issues from, from the transmission side. And increasingly, I think we'll be really opening up a broader envelope of work on this on both the power side and the transmission side uh, through the integrated resource planning processes in California. All right. Um, and um, just finally, um, in terms of market formation, would like to hear um, an update from you in terms of where things stand on grid regionalization efforts in the West, and more specifically the expansion of the ISO's Western Energy Balance Market. Yeah, for sure. You know, this has been a topic that I've, I've had the pleasure of, of staying in touch with the APPA staff uh, and leadership on this topic for a long time. It's always been a really, really important issue. And of course, when I was the administrator at Bonneville Power, uh, you know, we did a lot of work with public power customers throughout the Northwest to kind of understand the fundamental value proposition and the governance issues associated with, with, with the energy imbalance market. And of course, in late 2019, Bonneville signed an implementation agreement with the energy, with, with the CAISO to join the energy imbalance market. And the plan has been for them to join uh, next year. And, and the EIM uh, has in many ways just been a, it's been a, just a tremendous success. Uh, not only has it, you know, produced more than a billion dollars, I think $1.1 billion worth of value since 2014, but it now um, includes a really nice, healthy diversity of utilities from across the West, including both public utilities, private utilities. We just uh, last week signed up El Paso Electric uh, as a new member, and it's really been a, a great experience. Uh, it's, it's, a real, it's a real privilege and a kick for me to be here now helping administer that market and, and just listening really carefully to our members. You know, I think the members that are in and the ones that are joining, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm for, for you know, really building on the success of, of EIM and thinking about extending it into the day ahead market. Right now, the conversation has a couple of elements that I think are, are still remain challenges. First of all, a lot of us, I think for the next few months, particularly going into next summer. And I think it's California very acutely, but other regions as well, the Northwest Power Pool, the Desert Southwest, I think we all recognize that we really need to keep our eye on the resource adequacy ball for next summer. One of the things that's really important for us is to make sure that the sufficiency test and the sufficiency requirements of the EIM are, are reinforced and, and, and revalidated. There were, you know, California actually ran into some issues on sufficiency last summer, it highlighted a couple areas of concern of EIM participants. And this is just such a foundational part of the trust and the effective functioning of the market. We have a little bit of work to do there just to make sure that the sufficiency test and, and the consequences of insufficiency are really, are really you know, strengthened to the maximum extent possible. That's, that's work that's undergoing. We're also uh, doing some, some ongoing work on, on governance. Uh, we've made some progress. There's still a few sticky issues there around joint authority that have not been fully resolved yet. Uh, some of the parties in California, I think, are, are very open-minded 
uh, and expressing even more so about about extending the market potentially in the day ahead and 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 addressing governance. But there's still some issues around how exactly you draw the lines between what's under the authority of the governing board of the ISO versus the governing body of the EIM, and and some also some questions on part of the utilities inside California about just how how extensive will be the commitment of the utilities outside of the state to the bigger market. At the same time, you know the EIM entities and the and the participants in the market are very clear, and I think they're right that in order to really extend the market uh, not only just just the exist within the existing EIM framework but more broadly uh, into the day ahead market that there will need to be substantive improvements or changes in the governance sharing between California uh, and the and the EIM governing body so you know those are changes that we support at the ISO but we think that both commercially and politically, there's still a bit of work to do here in California. So at the end of the day, I would say the next several months are going to be, uh, we'll be onboarding several additional EIM entities. We'll be making sure that the sufficiency tests and the other elements of the of the EIM are as strong as possible uh, going into summer, uh, given the time that we have available to address those issues. And then I think we'll probably come over the other side of the summer, take stock of where we are, vis-a-vis uh, -vis governance and the economic value proposition of, of the enhanced day ahead market uh, and get back to work looking at that and seeing if there's some real opportunity. Uh, and for me here now at the ISO, uh, one of my principal responsibilities, having being fairly well familiarized with the perspective of folks out of the state, is really digging in and really listening uh, here to the utilities in California and the policymakers in California so we can understand what are their success criteria. So lots happening there. Uh, really happy to see the EIM continue to thrive. And I, I really appreciate uh, the sense of partnership and, and hopefulness of a lot of our EIM partners that we can continue evolving together across the West. Great. Well, thanks, Elliot, uh, so much for taking the time uh, to speak with us today. It's been a very informative discussion. And given everything that's going on out there, we would love to have you back as a guest uh, at some point um, this year to kind of Absolutely. maybe get an update on things. Well, I really appreciate that. I think you know that um, public power is near and dear to my heart. I had a wonderful 18-year career at BPA and, and have just, uh, just developed so many great working relationships and partnerships. And of course, uh, with Joy there in the new role, and I guess it's not quite as new as it used to be. It's amazing how quickly time is passing, but your team at APPA and, and your members are just fabulous partners for us. And, and we look forward to, you know, consider us a real ally and partner here and, and look forward to staying in touch and working together on all these important issues. So thanks again for having me. All right. Thanks, Elliot.